Welcome to episode 64, Where's the Meat, part 3. Uh, we, we left off in the last episodes talking about Matthew's gospel and this guy who was a lawyer, uh, which in those days just meant that he taught the law. And uh, he's asking Jesus, what's the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus responds by telling him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, with all your mind. And this is the great and or the first or foremost commandment. Um, in other words, right, this is the most important. Then he says the second is like it. You'll love your neighbor as yourself. And then on these two commandments depend or hang the whole law and prophets. And in other words, the law and prophets were expressions of these. And so that means that we could take all those things we think are heavier, weightier, deeper, meatier, and recognize that they all actually hang on something much greater, deeper, and stronger than themselves, and that's love. And in fact, all those things which are truly deeper, right, are, are nothing more than expressions of this very thing that is love. All the conclusions, all of the the interpretations, all of the theories and the ideas, all the theological points that we have that we think that we have derived from um, the commands, right, or the law, the prophets, or from Scripture, they all have to be viewed and, and filtered through this, this very thing that's, that's love. And so I left off by telling you, explaining to you, for me, what the meat is, um, you know, the, the idea of, of, of love. Like love literally is what I consider the meat. Uh, all the other stuff that, that's actually helped take me beyond where I've been in the past, um, I definitely would have considered meat. But uh, they seem to be nothing more than a means to an end, that is, to, to get me to love. And the more I focus on love, I learn to love, the more I learn to, to live it. I'm challenged beyond where I'm at, and it challenges things in me, long-held beliefs or tendencies that I have. I have. No, those are hard, that's hard stuff. And it takes. it makes me uncomfortable at times, but I believe it's teaching me how to be more like Jesus. And so I think the meat is love. And I think anything that we think is the meat is something, if it truly is meat, it's going to take us to love. It's going to teach us how to love. It's going to show us how to love, what all this means, help us better understand it. Now, there are still lots of things that I like to explore and theological ideas that fascinate me. You know, I mentioned that. But, but at the end of the day, the thing that sets me free is love. It is that when I mean, Jesus says you'll know the truth, then the truth will set you free. That knowing there's the idea of firsthand knowledge, something you've walked through, and now you can look back and you can see, you can understand, and it has set you free from certain things. And uh, I, at the end of the day, all of the ideas and the things that I like to explore— they're great, and I'll continue to do that, but love is the thing that sets me free because I can take all of those things and I can filter them through the lens of love, and I can take the greatest command and try and live it out right in my day-to-day -day and experience it for myself in live action, how it impacts and changes me, it changes things, it changes people around me, it impacts them. You can see it firsthand, and the more I do it, the more I understand how it truly is the greatest. And it's not simply because someone said it was, but because you live it and you see it, and it frees you from so many things, uh, which, if you think about, is what the Apostle Paul said it would do. Now, I've already talked a little bit about the various Greek terms, uh, specifically two, that are used 
in the, in the scriptures that are translated love in our New Testament letters. Uh, two of the most common words used are agape and phileo, and I've already l- briefly talked about those. And let me just kind of remind you of, of a few things here. Uh, the difference between these two words, agape is typically considered the highest kind of love. It's, it's a love of choice, and that's, it's, it's the noblest. You might hear it being said, the noblest of devotion. Um, it, it's, it's, it's based on a conscious choice, which means it's something that when we choose to do it, we're being intentional about it. it it's, what, it's what happens when we ascribe value and worth to someone just simply based on the fact that they exist. It's, it's often referred to as godly love, whereas phileo is, is more of an expression of an emotion, like a kiss. It, it deals with sentiments and personal attachments. But now it's agape love that Paul says we must pursue in 1 Corinthians 12 and 13. And it's there I suggest that you're going to find the meat. But before we dive in, let's just set up a little context here. So in this letter, 1 Corinthians, Paul is addressing some of the struggles that Christians uh, were faced with in in Corinth, and for lots of different reasons. And there's oh, there's so much. There's so many layers. There's so many, uh, so much uh, context that really needs to be explored and brought to the table. Um, to really, man, it's just it's a very it's very complex. Uh, but let's just suffice it to say that Paul is providing them with some potential solutions to their problems. Uh, but in doing so, he is not just giving them answers. He's also giving them the reasoning behind the solutions that he's providing. Now, uh, without going too far into it, it seems that at least part of the roots of their struggles had to do with how they valued one another. They they uh, they seem to have put a high price on people who had the ability to speak in tongues. That's the the ability to speak in a language that was foreign uh, to the one who was speaking it. And that ability to speak that language was not based on any any learning, right? But it was a result of a a gift bestowed on them by the Holy Spirit. And so it was was one of the quote-unquote spiritual gifts that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 12 and, and beyond. But Paul makes the argument, okay, that all the gifts come from the same place, and one should not be seen as necessarily greater than another because of their gift. Now, here's the deal. It doesn't mean that—this is where it kind of gets, I think, some interpretations and the things that we kind of look at this kind of get convoluted here. It seems to be the case that, from Paul's perspective at least, that there were some gifts that would be more desirable than other uh, than others. But just because one had a gift that was more desirable than others, or quote-unquote a greater gift, or a higher gift, or whatever it is, uh, it doesn't mean that it necessarily put the person who had that gift on a different plane, on a higher level, or a lower level. In other words, the gifts that they had were not something that would bestow value upon the person. And so Paul's essentially saying, listen, don't allow the way you see these gifts to distort how you see the person who has the gift, right? Because these gifts were all given for a common purpose. Um, He makes the argument that they all come from the same place. And 
one person should not be seen as necessarily greater than another person just simply because of their gift. These gifts were all given for a common purpose and a common cause and are meant to work together and that everyone should have you know, the same care for one another, he says, and do, and do that in such a way that when one person suffers, everyone feels it like, like it's their own suffering. And when someone else is, is honored, everyone rejoices in that person receiving that glory, and they don't feel like they've been robbed of anything, right? Uh, there's no jealousy there, envy there. And in light of, of how they have been approaching things, though, Paul says in chapter 12, verse 31, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And this Greek word here, more excellent, this phrase is a word that, that literally means to throw beyond all others. In other words, it's, it's superior. It surpasses all other ways that, let's say, you could be handling things, right, or approaching things. And he says, I'm going to show you a better way, a way to deal with this stuff of approaching things, a better perspective, a better understanding, a better way that is going to surpass. It's going to be far superior than any other way, right? This way will stand out more than all others. And now this way he is talking about, this approach that is a better way than all others, that's what he lays out in 1 Corinthians 13. And according to Paul, it's the way of love. Uh, and, it, and, and it's something that should be pursued if you continue through first chapter 13 into chapter 14, verse 1. And he, he uses an interesting word in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 1, when he says to pursue love. The word pursue there... Um, means to persecute or to zealously run after. And those things he talks about in 1 Corinthians 13, um, those are the things that will happen when we zealously pursue love. Like, this is what it's going to look like. This is what love does. And so you have chapter 12, where he starts addressing how they value one another. And the value on one another is simply based on the gifts, the spiritual gifts, the miraculous gifts that they have. And Paul is saying, no, 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 you're looking at this all the wrong way. And in fact, even in 1 Corinthians Corinthians 12, I mean, he uses the example of the human body and how, you know, like the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you, et cetera, et cetera. But they all, while there may be some parts that seem to be more important, that, that, that carry a heavier load, et cetera, et cetera, they all rely and depend upon one another and compensate for each other. And there's this concept of unity that he's trying to get at here. Uh, but underlying the surface here is their value and how they value one another. Remember, love is the idea of, one ascribing value and worth to another. And then sandwiched in between First uh, Corinthians 12 and First Corinthians 14, Paul explains this better way that is to be pursued after. Right? It's something that you are to zealously pursue, run after it so that you can obtain it. And so then 
let's look at chapter 13 and what Paul says. And what you're going to find are reasons that love should be zealously pursued. And essentially, what he tells them is, without love, all your abilities, your actions, what you can do, they actually mean nothing. It's kind of pointless. It's worthless. And so let's, let's start there. 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, verse 1. We'll, we'll go through verse 3. Uh, I have a few, few points, a few notes that I'd, I'd like to give on, on each particular verse as we make our progression through this. He says in verse 1, and remember, these, these, are, these are the reasons why you should zealously be pursuing love, okay? He says this, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging symbol. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away, if I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Hmm. So let's, let's back up here and uh, make a few points here, note a few things that I think are important in helping us understand what's going on. He says, if I speak in the tongues, he starts with the tongue speaking thing because it, this is an ability that they highly regard it, right? This is something that they wanted, that this is what they pursued after. They wanted to be able to have the ability to speak in tongues. And he says, listen, it doesn't matter what language you have the ability to speak. I can speak in the tongues of men and of angels. It doesn't matter. What language you have the ability to speak? Without love, you literally have become and remain in the Greek. You literally have become and remain a noisy gong or clinging symbol. And this would be not to uh, the, the reality that uh, Corinth was, was known for a special alloy from which you know, symbols, instruments, uh, and so, so forth were made. And uh, these instruments would have been created for worshiping various pagan gods, which to Paul uh, was worship that was, would you say, pointless and worthless. And so he's essentially saying, you could might be able to do all these things, but without love, you might as well be using these instruments and worshiping pagan gods that worship would be pointless and worthless. And so even, even if you have the ability to speak in any language ranging from heaven to earth, if you don't do it with love, your ability is worthless, it's pointless, it's empty, it means nothing. That's what Paul says. And so it begs the question, why? Right? Why? Because you're not using it for the purpose it was meant to be used. See, when we have love— it's going to dictate how we see our abilities, our, our resources, what we can do, and how we use them. Take you back to 1 Corinthians 12, and a part of the root of their problem was how they saw one another, how they were valuing one another based on these particular gifts. He says, but if you add love into the mix, it'll change the way you see things. It's going to dictate how you see not your own abilities and other people as well, and how you use this and how you interact, how you see things functioning in such a way 
right, where there could be unity. And so he says, essentially, listen, without love, without love, all of this is, is, is pointless. So he starts with the, with the speaking in tongues thing, okay? Um, but then he's going to go next to the one ability that um, I think Paul says really is the highest, right? He says in verse, verse 2, and if I have a prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, he says, I am nothing. So he starts with one ability that was so highly sought after, the speaking in tongues. And now he goes all the way to the other side of the spectrum and uses the gift that it seems that he will claim is uh, the best of all the gifts, or at least a gift right, that is greater than speaking in tongues. And that's the ability to prophesy. And I say this because of what he says in 1 Corinthians 14, uh, verses 1 and 5. He says in verse 1, to earnestly desire, after he says to pursue love, he says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And then he dropped down to verse 5. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. You know, like, I wish that you all could do this, but even more to prophesy. Like, yeah, speaking in tongues is a big deal, but man, I would rather you all be able to prophesy. He says, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. And then he goes on to explain that is unless you have an interpreter with the tongues and et cetera. So it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a fascinating approach. It's a fascinating uh, uh, journey that he takes them on and helping them understand how to address the reasons behind the why, right? Uh, he explains what he explains in 1 Corinthians 12. Um, but then in, in chapter, come back to 1 Corinthians 13 too, he is comparing love, notice, to unlimited capabilities, and which is why he says, he used the word all. He says, if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith. So he takes love and he sets it up against something that they, that they potentially already have, right? This ability, this, this unlimited capability. And he essentially says, even if I have unlimited capabilities without love, it's worthless. It's pointless. It's meaningless. In other words, love is more important than any ability we have. And when we have love, it gives us the proper view right, of self and others and how to use our abilities, how to interact with other people. And it is the driving force behind what we do. And so without it, even though I may have the greatest of abilities, it really is pointless. It really is worthless, which is why you should be pursuing love. And then he says in verse 3, even if I give away, and this is an interesting word, because it's a word, give away, it, it, it deals with placing food into the mouth of another. Uh, may think of the efforts of a, of, a, of a mom feeding their child. And so it's the idea, I believe, of giving away all that I have so that I could feed the poor, those who are without. So if I give away all, that is if I give absolutely everything I have, 
And if I deliver up my body to be burned, in other words, if I am martyred, that is, that is if I give up my very life for this stuff, but have not love, he says, I gain nothing. It's pointless. It's worthless because you don't have love. In other words, no matter how much I tried to help someone, regardless of the sacrifices I may make, if love is not behind my efforts, they mean absolutely nothing. If, if I am just following a list, trying to earn or trying to seem to be righteous, it means nothing. Because love is more important than any of this, right? It, it's more important than anything we do because it's meant to be the driving force behind all we do. And that's why we should be zealously pursuing love. It's the most important thing, and it will take you to the true meat. Paul says, pursue love, zealously pursue it. You know, take you back to previous episodes when I talked about the most important thing. And after all the, all the research, all the studying that I have done, all the learning that I have, and I have much more, way, way more. I don't have answers to everything. I can't explain everything and never, probably never will be able to. It doesn't mean that I won't continue to pursue those things, but now that pursuit is in light of something different. In light of something much more important. And it's in light of the fact that the greatest command is to love. And without love, all the knowledge in the world, all the theological points, all the understanding, all the quoting, all of the ways that I may be perceived or looked upon as a Christian man and my abilities, without love, it's all pointless. It is all worthless. No matter what it is, no matter what the subject is, no matter what the problem is, no matter what the point is, without love, it's pointless. It is worthless. It will be fruitless. And so Paul says, pursue zealously, zealously run after this thing called love, agape, the highest form of love. It's a love that ascribes value and worth to people and it's not contingent upon anything other than the fact that they exist. They're alive. So that's what we should do. We should be zealously pursuing love. It is the most important thing. And it'll take you to the true meat. So here's what I'm going to do. In the next episode, which will probably be the final episode of this little podcast series. There may be one more. We'll see what we get in into. I'm going to explore what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 verses 4 through 7 about love. Right? We're going to sink our teeth into this meat, and you're going to see why I say that this is the meat, because this gets down to the hard stuff. Okay, This is why I say things like, Asking the question, what does love require of me? 
It may sound simple. It may sound trivial even. It may sound like like, like there's really not a whole lot of substance to that. But when you sit down and actually begin to think about and answer the question, what does love require of me? That's when oftentimes the hard work starts because you're having to face things about you that contradict love that aren't loving, and you you have to deal with that. You have to address that. If it is indeed the case that you want to pursue love, that you want to be love, if it is indeed the case that you this is who you want to be and this is what you want to do, you have to start doing the hard work. Man, and it takes some real sinking your teeth into some meaty things. Sometimes it's not going to taste so well. Yeah, but the end result, the end result will be so freeing. And so refreshing. So we're going to dive into 1 Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 7. And if you want some meat, come back and join me for the next episode as we continue to explore becoming like Jesus from the inside out.